Ever since you can remember, you felt something in your chest telling you to move, to love, to speak, to try. Day after day, you pretend you don't hear it calling, or maybe you dismiss it as silliness or worse. But it's there, ready for you, and it will wait for you as long as you need. My name is Johnny G, and I invite you to join me on a journey of awakening as we dare to embrace our light. This is Refractive. Hello out there. Welcome to a new episode of Refractive. I'm your host, Johnny G. Look, I'm sitting here in this amazing office and (laughs) I have this enormous mug of herbal tea and I have this incredible candle, basil and green tea scented candle. And look, if anybody tells you I'm not living my best life, you can tell them they are mistaken. So I'm just full of gratitude and I'm glad for you showing up to listen to another episode. And I hope that today uh, this message will resonate. I had a conversation a few weeks back with a friend of mine and he is young, queer, Hispanic. He's soft-spoken. He has a nose ring And he was telling me about a particular incident that had happened a few days before where he walked into a supermarket and just after passing through the front door, there was another customer who was an older guy, this older white guy. And he looked at him and in a joking, loud way said, hey, fella, it looks like you got something in your nose. So commenting on his nose ring like that. And he talked about how hard it was to be surprised by that comment, uh, to be shocked into it and to realize that other people are looking at him and that he might not fit this mainstream um, definition of what a uh, I don't know what a, a, a certain type of person is going to look like. And it was, it was hard for him. It threw him into a bit of a, of a frustration. Now, to give you some context, this friend of mine, um, I told you he's Hispanic. Uh, he was raised in a traditional conservative Christian home. I said uh, also that he is, uh, he's not straight and that created some, I'll just say complexity for him growing up and also, um, white people and white culture played an outsized role in this person's development as a kid, more so than perhaps in some other examples. And so he's sensitive to how he fits into the white world and uh, the mainstream world and the straight world and the conservative world. And it's just a, a very loaded experience for him. And so this comment of identifying him as other, as not normal, 
it was really triggering for him and it, it made him feel so uncomfortable. And I have to say that the idea of being publicly and passive aggressively put into a box that you don't want to be in by a stranger in front of other strangers, uh, that's a hard experience to go through. And even if this person was teasing or joking, uh, maybe it wasn't directly aggressive and hateful language, but it's humiliating and it's meant to draw attention how different you are from me and what I see as normal. You are not mainstream. I am mainstream. And therefore, it's okay for me to publicly comment on how different you are and to make it a joke. And there will be no consequences for me to make this joke. In fact, I expect you and everyone around me to laugh about this. So it's a really awkward situation. And look, I'm not saying that this old dude had some kind of consciously mean-spirited agenda. I'm not coming at this from, you know, the progressive left perspective of wokeness and this. That's not what I'm saying. Um, what I am saying is that this guy felt it was his place to publicly call attention to how a stranger's appearance didn't fit into a traditional box. And he covered it up with some Febreze of humor, right? To make it okay. And he expected that everyone in earshot would be okay with it and support it and find it appropriate. So me listening to my friend tell me this story and my friend had no idea how um, how deeply this story would resonate with me. So my friend telling me this, even with all of my spiritual work, all of my attempts to elevate my perspective to a higher, to a 10,000 foot view of things on this planet, I was still shocked by the gall of this person. And I found myself imagining what I would do and the, the sharp-witted things I might say if I got called out in that kind of public, passive-aggressive, fake joke kind of way. It's, it's a complicated, difficult experience to be in. Now, society tells us that it is our right, but even more importantly, it's our responsibility to defend ourselves. It is my responsibility to speak up if someone disgraces me and protect my, uh, I don't know, protect my status, protect my ego, protect my place in the world. And that if I don't defend myself, I'm even partially to blame for the next time this guy hurts someone because I didn't speak up. So that is a common perspective in our society. If someone pushes you around, you have to push back. If you don't, not only are you disrespecting yourself, but you are approving for this person to continue to hurt others. I don't think you'd be surprised to hear me say that. That's a, 
it's a pretty common perspective for us in the world we live in. You have to put him in his place in order to serve the greater good. So I asked my friend, how did you respond to this? What did you do? And he told me, well, I wanted to snap back, but you know what? I just don't need to bring in that kind of negativity into my life. So I didn't respond and I just went on my way. And it's like, wow, this is our superpower. That's exactly what I told my friend. That is where your power lies. That is your superpower, the ability to be hurt and yet choose to do no harm. Not only is this our superpower, this is exactly how we heal the soul. I want to say that again. Not only is it our superpower, but the ability to be hurt and to choose not to hurt back is how we heal the soul. This is a concept we hear in lots of religious contexts across, uh, across spiritual paths all you know throughout history. The idea of doing no harm. Choosing not to fight. And I want to maybe take a second to clarify, you know, it doesn't count as soul healing if the reason we don't hurt back the person is because we're scared and we just go to cower uh, because we're shocked by the shame and the hurt and the fear of what's happening. I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to to experience it that way, but that's not the spiritual growth I'm talking about. If someone, let's say, attacks us verbally and we retreat out of fear or shame, hey, that's fine. Like that's a totally reasonable response. Um, But that's not the spiritual growth that I'm talking about. When I say choosing not to fight and doing no harm, I mean in the moment in the split second, weighing the options of how we can respond and intentionally, proactively choosing love over fear, choosing love over chaos and discord and hurting other people, choosing love over vengeance and ego protection. Doing no harm is taking the hit and seeing the situation from a higher perspective, realizing that, you know what? The only thing that's in danger right now is my ego. And my ego doesn't need to be protected. If my safety was at risk, maybe that's a different situation for me. But If the only thing at risk is looking powerful in front of strangers, then you know what? I can choose the higher perspective of this and simply remove myself from further painful interactions with this person and choose not 
to put someone in his place. Choose not to make a show of my own power. That is revolutionary for us in our world. Out of compassion for both this guy and compassion for me and my soul and my spirit, simply moving away and finding the love to wish him and me peace. I already mentioned that we see this guidance against vengeance, against continuing the cycle of harm. We see this across lots of spiritual traditions. Uh, Maybe the most common that comes up in our world is the idea of turning the other cheek from Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, but, you know, we see it elsewhere um, in the 12 steps, uh, which is uh, part of my experience. In the 12 steps, there is uh, what we call a promise uh, in the literature that says we have ceased fighting everyone and everything. In Hindu, there's actually a concept called ahimsa, which declares that fighting is the last option that we are willing to resort to, that uh, we are going to try to work this out every way other than fighting before we get to that point. And then we also have this concept of karma, where when I do things, um, it has to be balanced. It's coming back. And that when I don't balance my karmic energy in this life, then I'm going to get another life, which will give me an opportunity, the same soul to balance it again. So the idea is if I've hurt someone, then, um, you know, I need to have that experience poured on me, but I can't hurt someone back again, right? I got to stop the cycle of the pain. And You know, one of my favorite writings on this idea of doing no harm, choosing not to fight, comes from Byron Katie. And you know, I talk about Byron Katie in almost every episode. She is amazing. I am reading a book of hers right now called A Thousand Names for Joy. I strongly recommend it. Um, But one of her quotes uh, that she uses in a lot of her books is that no one would ever hurt another person if they weren't confused, no one would ever cause pain for another person if they weren't confused. And so this idea of vengeance is not necessary because the people who hurt us are doing so from a place of confusion. They don't understand what's happening. They don't understand the ramifications of what's really going on. And so Can we take a higher view? Can we take a higher view that whether someone realizes it or not, even when someone doesn't realize it, that if they do something harmful to me, they too, they are in some sort of spiritual, physical, mental, or emotional pain, that they would not be hurting me if they weren't suffering in some kind of way. So can I remove myself from the possibility of being hurt again 
So that's protection, right? Because choosing not to fight doesn't mean standing there and getting beaten. Choosing not to fight doesn't mean I'm an emotional doormat, but can I distance myself from this without retaliating, without needing to cause pain to this other person, without needing to have the final word so that my ego feels that I'm man enough, that I'm powerful enough. You know, I believe that the experience of being hurt is a powerful gift. I heard once that pain is an exquisite gift. So I believe that being hurt is a compassionate, right? Get this, right? So being hurt is being treated with compassion by the universe by the creator, by God, by whoever, whatever word you want to use to remind us that we ourselves are sparks of the creator, that we are pieces of God in these human bodies. So being hurt is an opportunity for us to realize, hey, this Earth body stuff is small potatoes. This is small potatoes, low stakes poker that we're playing here on earth. Okay. Because what's really important is this eternal part of me. What really matters is this, this soul, this soul that is a part of God. It comes from God. It's a drop of the ocean. That is God. And this soul is not subject to mean jokes from a stranger in the supermarket. And this soul is not subject to being humiliated when my spouse walks out on me. And this soul is not subject to having my ego stepped on by another person. That's small stuff. That's small stuff. That's life with a lowercase l. And so when we are hurt, when we experience tragedy, pain, loss of a loved one, when we go through this global pandemic that makes everyone uncomfortable, it is an opportunity to look into our true essence and remember that our ultimate goal, despite the density of this illusion that we have, that we are just earth creatures, that our ultimate goal is to awaken to the fact that we are so much bigger than this short life on earth, that, this, that in the span of eternity, these 75 years or so that we live are less than a blip. And can we find the wonder and the perfection 
and the excitement of this experiment we're in, this earth experiment that we're in, even in the face of tragedy. Can we remember our true identity and anchor our serenity in that true identity? That, when we're able to do that, that is our superpower. The ability to pull from a higher perspective and say, no, I will not retaliate. I will not cause another person pain, even if they deserve it by society standards. I don't need to do that because every time I hurt another person, I hurt me too. So I will find the place of love that is deep inside of me. And I will wish that person peace and healing, not in a sarcastic way, but in a genuine way that I will see that this other person is also a spark of the creator, that this other person is also a sliver of God who is in this earth body and who is confused. And I don't need to make things worse. I will just move on and I will find the love. Now, look, I talk a big game and this is, <laughs> I mean, this is advanced stuff, right? This is not easy. This is the hardest thing. I'm talking about like advanced level spirituality in order to have this be our response in the face of hardship. And it requires a solid foundation of spiritual work in order to have this natural response of choosing intentionally not to continue a cycle of harm, but rather to see every other person as innocent, sparks of the creator and respond from a place of love, it takes a solid foundation. So what's required, right? What do you have to do in order to have the spiritual muscle, the spiritual fitness to respond in this way? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, this concept has to resonate with you. And I, as I was coming up with the outline for this episode, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to lose listeners. I'm going to have people walk away from refractive podcast because our whole lives, we are told that it is not only appropriate, but it is necessary to defend ourselves. And I'm telling you today that that is BS. If this does not resonate with you, then you know what? That's fine. That's fine. That means that this just might not be your episode. Your experience on this planet is wired in a very particular way to allow you to accomplish whatever your mission is in life. So it's fine. Infinite intelligence arranged your series of experiences on this earth so that you have a chance to respond 
in just the right way. So listen, if you disagree with this, that's totally beautiful and it's perfect and that's fine. Now, if this does resonate with you, then in my opinion, here's a couple of things that are helpful in building a spiritual life that is capable of finding perfection in what we would typically call painful experiences. So number one, you need to have faith that there is something larger. You have to believe in something larger than this earth life. If there is nothing larger than this earth life, then why on earth should you ever hold yourself back from earth security? And earth security can be ego, that can be finances, that can be whatever, right? So if, 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 if it all ends with death, which is a perfectly valid perspective in our society, I'm not criticizing that perspective at all, but if it all ends with death, this is not going to make sense and it's not going to be worth your trouble. So in order to, uh, to choose not to fight, you have to have faith that there is something bigger going on. So that's, in my opinion, the first step. Another important perspective is a belief that my value, my validity on this planet is not contingent on other people. If I believe that my value is contingent upon other people and their perspectives, how they see me, what they do, how they treat me, then this doesn't make sense. So cultivating a perspective that your value is independent of other people is essential to coming to this point. Another important foundational element, in my opinion, and of course, you may have other ideas. I would love to hear that in the show comments, but that it takes a certain perspective to experience the emotional response to whatever happened, whether that is rage, shame, sorrow, humiliation, uh, you know, whatever emotional response rises up. So to have a perspective that, okay, I see this emotional response happening inside of me. And I realize that that emotion is not a trustworthy guide for how to react right now. So again, the perspective to realize that my emotions are not necessarily trustworthy guides for how to behave. And then willingness to forgive. Willingness to forgive, to acknowledge that we are all fractured souls. We are all imperfect, hurt beings, damaged beings who are executing our life missions. And that while we do that, we hurt other people. It's just what we do, right? It's just what we do. 
So willingness to forgive others when they hurt me, because hurting people is just part of what earth life is. You can't, you can't be perfect in that. So these are the four foundational steps to this faith that there is something larger than this, just this earth life, a belief that my value is independent of other people, a perspective that my emotions are not trustworthy guides for my behavior and a willingness to see beyond, to forgive other people when they hurt me because they don't understand. And we all do it. That's a lot. Like I said, that's, that's advanced spirituality. This is not spirituality one-on-one, right? This is like the 4,000 level classes. And um, it's tough. It's tough. You know, a topic that you've heard me talk about before, and it's very dear to me, I think uh, acceptance is a big part of this acceptance. I see acceptance as another word for love. You know, I've mentioned this before that acceptance is love. It's seeing a person or a situation as it is and not wishing it were somehow different. Ooh, it's hard. You know, I had a, uh, I had someone that I used to be close with pass away a few, a few, maybe about two months ago. And this person died under, well, this person committed suicide in a jail after a lot of struggle with addiction and um and i i don't know what went through this person's mind before he killed himself but you know anyway this person um you know in the aftermath of his death I sat there and I looked for my acceptance. How can I accept this? What do I do about this? Like, how can I find the perfection of this? And, you know, acceptance is hard. Seeing a situation or a person exactly as it is and not wishing it were different, not thinking I have a better idea. You know, imagining how things should have been, in my view, is an argument with God. And when I argue with God, I lose every time. Every time. So can I accept 
the pain in my life? Can I accept that the person who might have used me to make himself feel better, some stranger in a supermarket, this other self, this other spark of a creator, can I accept that this person used my friend as the butt of a public joke? Can I accept that that person is a beautiful, perfect child of God? Can I see the opportunity for my own healing when I'm hurt instead of focusing on how I was wronged? Instead of focusing on how unfair things feel, can I see the opportunity for my own healing? Can I see my opportunity for the healing of the person who hurt me? Not just me, not just my healing. Can I see how the person who hurt me now has a beautiful opportunity for healing too? Can I see the impact on the people who witnessed Can I see the impact on the people in that supermarket who heard this person yell out a joke at the expense of a stranger and might have expected my friend to rage or to cause chaos and yet saw him peacefully walk away? Can I see the impact on that? And the value, the opportunity for healing that posed, not just for my friend, not just for the other guy, but also for everyone who was watching. Were they moved to then be kinder to other people, having seen what happened? Were they inspired by my friend's willingness to seek his worth from inside rather than from the view of a stranger? And to go further, if I put myself in my friend's shoes, can I find a time when I too made a public joke at the expense of another person and got away with it? Oh, you better believe it. There are so many times where I used other people as punchlines. That's my experience. So if I put myself in my friend's shoes, walking through the door and having someone call out some comment about my appearance as a joke, some stranger, can I check my self-righteousness for a moment? And say, yeah, I did that too. And I got away with it too. And I, I hurt those people when I did that, the way he hurt me. Can I see the grace that I was afforded when I hurt those people and got away with it? Can I see the grace I got? Right? Because justice means I would have been put in my place but I was treated with grace. And now I have an opportunity to treat someone with grace. Can I see 
that despite the confused, hurtful behavior, there's an opportunity to lovingly and intentionally pay that grace forward? And can I see how justice has now been served? If I hurt someone publicly, now I have been hurt publicly. And now I understand what I did. I understand that what I considered no big deal in the moment was painful for the target of my joke. Can I see the service that this guy, this, this, this gentleman who made this joke at my friend, can I see the service that this person has done? This person has opened up a doorway to healing for him, for the people who watched, for me, and now for the listeners of this podcast. What a wonderful teacher. What a glorious benefactor this person has been in his confusion to me, to my growth, to my healing. Can I see how things are restored to balance? Can I see how it all makes sense on God's scale? We are balanced. My perspective is enhanced. And I can move on in peace with grace and forgiveness for him and for the past version of myself, who was also callous and careless with the feelings of others. Breathe. Wow. I want to let this sit for a second. Can I see how it's balanced and how it all makes sense on God's scale? Yes, that is our superpower. That's what I'm telling you about. That's what I'm talking about here. To be put in a position where things hurt and to decide to do no harm. The cycle of pain and hurt stops here. It stops with me. I see things from a higher perspective. It stops right here. That is healing. That is healing. That is service to the world. That is healing for you. That is healing for the world. That is acceptance. That is love. That is everything. That is not weakness. That is not laying down and being a doormat. That is power. That is your superpower. That is our superpower. And so thank you. Thank you to so many who have hurt me in my life. Thank you. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for all the times I hurt other people. When I was confused, 
when I was scared. Thank you for the grace those victims of my ego showed me. Thank you for the grace my creator poured on me. And thank you to my friend who shared this story with me, having no clue how deeply it would stir me. And thank you, sir, to that stranger in a supermarket somewhere who created such a rich, beautiful, perfect, powerful scenario for learning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, to all of you, thank you for listening. Remember that you are a spark of the creator. You are made from the same stuff as the stars. So aim your light. Take care. You have been listening to Refractive Podcast, and this is Johnny G. If you've enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor. Give it a share on social media, or if you're in the podcast app, give it a rating. If you're on YouTube, click like. It really does make a difference in the search results. I am a speaker, coach, and facilitator based in Washington, D.C., but I work in person and remotely with people who are ready to step with clarity into their most authentic life. If I can be of service, reach out to me, Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, at refractivecoaching.com. Have an amazing day. Be good to each other. And always remember, aim your light. <laughs>